I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. Sightings in and around Vermont. Bigfoot sightings across New England have been reported. Red glowing eyes, about seven feet tall. Red eyes, big old fangs, claws coming out through. Three inches long, you know, just sharp as they could be. There has been another UFO sighting flying over the Royal Botanic Gardens. There are 500 UFO sightings in the world every month. The truth is out there. We're back. We're back. And it's this time a real with one. a real episode. Yeah. Yeah. We said that at like the exact same time. We'll see when I align them. <laughs> yes, but I heard same time. Yeah, ditto. Um. So, uh, what was I gonna say? The uh, uh, um, I saw a a, a laser tag game that's going in eventually at a place and it's it's gi joe laser tag what the hell is gi joe laser tag it's just laser tag but with gi joe theming and i thought that was hilarious considering the fact that like 80s gi joe had lasers for everything instead of like gunshots and bullets is legit fun by the way there's a bowling alley near my house that has late like black light laser tag Mm-hmm. So much fun. It's, as an adult, it's, it's well, one, you also, you find out how out of shape you are just playing laser tag, but it, it's so good. Yeah, laser tag, laser tag's the great equalizer. Like a legit laser tag setup. Better than wooden wheels, by the way. I'll go that far. It was better than the wooden wheels laser tag. Uh, t- to be fair, so this is super hyper local, but wooden wheels laser tag is kind of like, it's so, like, pedestrian. It's, right, like you remember those laser tag things you could get off the TV when you were a kid? They're like all gray, and you'd have yeah. that little chess piece you wore. So this this it, skate rink's laser tag was like if some guy took that shit real serious, but not like a business. I like it, I mean, so here's the thing: they've had the same laser tag system since like at least '94. Yeah. Right. Like, like I I basically remember it since like the early the mid to the mid 90s and like they haven't really changed it that much no but the place near my house that bowling alley Mm -hmm. they have a legit much better setup and there's also like a uh, a tower defense aspect to it where it's not just targeting the people you have like a base you have to defend that other players can shoot so there's Mm -hmm. a whole like defense and and it's not just pew pew at the people well, that's that's that reminds me of the episode of um, uh, the bottle episode of uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia when they play laser tag and Frank and Charlie and all them just stay stay still in one area uh, guarding the the flag. It's it's one of the newer seasons, and when honest? I say it's one of the newer seasons, it might have been five five years ago. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Time is nothing. Fair. Ever since the uh, the episode where Charlie went to uh, Ireland. And met mm-hmm. his real dad. Yeah, that erased every other episode from my mind. That's my favorite episode. It's kind of one of the best. It's freaking amazing. I mean the 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 fact that they retcon. Well, they didn't retcon it. They explained his illiter- his literacy issues by being he just spoke Gaelic. Yes, <laughs> amazing. He only knows Gaelic. Uh huh. Oh, and he's fine at that. It's just you know. English not so good. 
English not so good. Oh, Charlie is such a good character. He voices Luigi in the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I know because that's my daughter's favorite movie. So how many times have you seen it? Um, In the last week, maybe, maybe like eight times. Jesus. It's, it, she loves it. She loves it, and it's bad. To, like, Eric will just be sitting on the couch, and she'll just be saying the lines as the characters on the TV are saying them. Erica will? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen it so many times. It's, it's oh, gosh. Uh, my, my nephew, I think, is currently, is, is so obsessed with Paw Patrol right now um, that my other nephew, who loves Paw Patrol, is yeah. like, I'm tired of Paw Patrol. Oh gosh, I'm happy Peaks never got into it. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with Paw Patrol. Yeah, it's it's got propaganda. <laughs> I it's well, I have one. Ab- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's propaganda. <laughs> Chase yeah. is propaganda. Full stop. And he's one of the most popular characters. Oh. Uh. That, I will say that our favorite part of the um, Mario movie is, is uh, Lumily from uh, Super mm-hmm. Mario Galaxy. Because yeah. they're just, um, just, uh, uh, what, what, what's, there's a word I'm forgetting how to describe a person. But Lumily will just be like, everyone's in a cage being lowered into like a volcano. And Lumily will be like, the only hope is the sweet relief of death and shit like that. It's fucking amazing. Uh, it's like nihilism, basically. Yes, nihilist. Yeah, yeah Lu- he's a Lumi nihilist. A super, like, they'll say, uh, time, <laughs> like, hope is only an illusion. <laughs> I, ca- I kind of love the fact that a, a star is a nihilist. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I actually haven't seen that. I've seen bits and pieces of it when I visit my uh, parents' house and thus yeah. visit my niece and nephew. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen the whole movie, mainly because I've... So... I've basically stopped paying for movies. Um, I only pay for streaming services. Yeah, well, ditto. It's on, it's um, on Netflix, but that's the one. Uh, I don't have Netflix. Have yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't have Netflix anymore because Netflix fucked us. And it's way too expensive for me. It's, it's well, it's like almost $17 now, I think. Yeah, and, and I don't, I'm not going to use it $17 a month enough. It's. I would have canceled it at this point because we mostly watch um, like Hulu and, and Crunchyroll now. Um, but my daughter, I have a daughter. <laughs> yeah, I need the kid shit. Yeah, it's it's necessary. It's necessary. She keeps buying fucking Paramount Plus on me because she and I can't stop her because what? I can keep uninstalling fucking Paramount from Roku. But How here's does... the and I turned off the auto renew on it. But there's uh-huh. a fucking button for it on the remote. So even if I delete the fucking app, she can still just put Paramount Plus back on the fucking Roku. You should just you should open up the the remote and just desolder the contact points. <laughs> you, actually, I could that. That's that's I probably. And I was like, that's a very. I hadn't considered that. If I, I'm gonna look at it, and if it seems like a thing I can put back together, well, because it's just I it's probably just button. a surface. It's just a surface mount, probably. So like. Yeah, sing- surface mount, single position, single throw uh, switch. Yeah, you yeah. just you you could probably do it with just a pair of like pliers and just like. Yeah. And never, never, never again. 
all the time. This is like the fourth time she bought it was was earlier this week. <laughs> I just <laughs> she knows how to work the remotes and she knows like kind of how to, how the buttons work. She can she can just like brute force her way into like whatever show she wants to watch or like just buy Paramount Plus because it's got fucking bubble guppies. Bubble guppies? What the yeah. fuck is bubble? Gu- what is a what is a bubble guppy? It's a kids show from the uh, three by four aspect ratio times. Oh wow, interesting! Yeah. Can't get enough of it. Keeps fucking buying my credit. I should take my credit card off the Roku. That's what I should do. Probably. <laughs> that way, it can't actually go through with the transaction. There are so many steps, Brandon, that you're skipping to like prevent this oh gosh um uh, what was it uh just kind of on that that note um oh fuck i had it i lost it god damn it anywho whatever oh paramount plus is a terrible app there we go that's what i was gonna say I easily my once. least favorite i got it once to watch the dungeons and dragons movie and they oh and halo because it had halo for Halo and Dungeons and Dragons, I got it for those, and now just my kid figure out how to keep. She just wants getting. it. She just constantly. She just can't get enough. She's of too. That. All she wants is Paramount Plus and Play-Doh, and that's it. That checks out. That checks out. It tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ketchup. She'll just run past the room and have a bottle of ketchup in her hand. Interesting. She- there, she'll just go catch up, catch up, and then she can. Apparently, at two, you can just do whatever the fuck you want now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you're two, right? Yeah. Like, there's two ages that you can do whenever the fuck you want. That's like under five and like over eighty. There's oh, I haven't hit over eight. There, there's yeah, because I passed the first two, right? There's under five. Mm-hmm. There's when you just move out, move out of your parents' house and you're on your own and you have mm-hmm. a job where, like, well, I guess you can't yeah. do that anymore because, like, everything tanked. But before everything tanked, there's a sweet period of time where you could do things like have ice cream for breakfast, drink morning beers, and buy a very expensive gaming table then immediately have a kid and never really use it for its intended purpose. <laughs> that's still my favorite thing. You know? Like, that's still the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Because, like, it was hilarious because we used to play, like, weekly, right? Then All the then, time. Then the pandemic happened, and it completely torpedoed everything, right? Like, I got a super nice custom fucking gaming table that was, before it was unveiled at the fucking D&D convention or whatever, the guy was like, hey, down low, and sent me some pictures. And mm-hmm. then I had to pay a guy who's who, like, does, cust- like, specialty transport to drive it to my house because you can't ship it Mm -hmm. and then just a pandemic but you know what's even worse brandon the time that i've been over like one or two times that i've been over to play we we played magic on it we we like we played magic wait you moved it to the you moved it right i moved it yeah i had a kid i had a whole room in my house just for fucking board games yep and then i had a baby and i was like well, fuck! I need a a, a playroom for a baby, mm-hmm. where where they can't get all run around, get all over. So that that turned into the game because it's a one room door with with a door, so you can't get out. Perfect for, for kids, 
and there's a bathroom, and, which would have been great for fucking playing board games so you don't got to run because uh-huh. the bathroom's attached. Oh, also, man. it's the hottest room in the house, which is what you what a playroom needs to be. It is absolutely the hottest room in the house. Oh, it, okay. Yeah. Oh. So, Brandon, I think it's time to we get into the episode. Um, oh, yeah. We have, have like, things that we talk about. Yes? Yeah, we do. I have a question for you. Can you smell what I'm cooking this week? Oh, Can God. you? I mean, you know, because you're you're in the, the thing. I know. But it's it's the people's mythical beast, Brandon. The Rock. It's the, it's the people's mythical beast, The Rock, the man that keeps lying about having In-N-Out. I kind of love that. That did I talk about this already or like I, last I think week you or talked something? about it on last week's episode because yeah. we I I, I it's ridiculous. At... <laughs> I I kind of love that lore. Like, uh, The Rock just can't tell the truth about In and Out. He has three you know what, videos on his Instagram where he's matter. like, all right, guys, it's the first time I'm having internet. I don't even know how to order it. Yeah, you know how to order it because you bought it two other times on your past. It's in your feed still, dude. It doesn't matter if The Rock has had in and out which is a reference to one of his catchphrases. Um, <sighs> I can't now, smell what The Rock is cooking because he's always getting takeout. <laughs> well, ever since he left the, the WWE, right? Yeah. I mean, The Rock is so there's only two ways out of the out of the WWE. There's sorry, three ways out of the WWE. One, you turn into a movie star, right, and you're doing yep. good. Two, CTEs kill your two, whole family. CTE, yep. Um or three, you die in the ring. <laughs> you die flying into the ring on a zip line. You know what the the worst that part? happened? I, yes, I know. I know who you're okay. talking about. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I Me probably neither. should. Um but uh uh they that dude was like actively protesting against Vince McMahon's bullshit. Yeah. Uh so Oh, it, is there it, a narrative where where it was an air quote accident? No, I don't I don't think oh, okay. I I don't think that that narrative is true for... I'm trying to remember his name. And by remember, I'm just looking into Google really quick. Uh, Not Dan, not Oro. Who? uh, It's like... Hart. Fuck. Yes. Hart fell to his death in Kansas City, Missouri during the the over-the-edge pay-per-view event. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was like... Hart was like actively against... Uh, a lot of the Owen Hart was actively against the um, uh, some of the shittier practices of uh, WWE, and then like also they fucked they fucked Andre the Giant too, right? They fucked everybody. I think there's still none of them are employees yet. I don't think. No, I don't think you're technically. They're an all employee. just contractors, all contractors, so they're not qualified yeah. for like health insurance or whatever the fuck. Yeah. See, here's the thing: if The Rock, the Mythical Beast, was the employer. Probably be about the same because the rock is kind of vicious, right? Yeah, and to, to be clear, it is not a cryptid, right? No one, no one, I don't think I've seen anyone actually claim that the rock is like a cryptid. Um, but it's generally a mythical beast of Middle Eastern legend, right? Oh, okay, I was confused for a minute. I was like, did we switch to the rock without yeah. the K? Okay, <laughs> gotcha. R O C, yes, well, it's it's pronounced, it's spelt multiple ways, but whatever. Um, now, 
When you imagine the rock today, you generally conjure images of a giant bird capable of lifting massive objects, right? What's what's like the thing that pops into your head when you think of the rock, Brandon? The three legendary birds from Pokemon. Really? Yeah. Any in particular? No. Or just them in general? Just general legendary bird. See, the thing is, like, the legendary birds in Pokemon are way smaller than what the rock is supposed to be. Like, are they? They just yeah, might they're, be bigger in my look head. Look up their height, like... They're much smaller than you'd expect. All right, let's see. But then again, so is is Charizard. Zapdos is only 5'3". Yes. Moltres is... way bigger. Moltres is 6'7". Lugia is the one who's fucking huge. I don't feel like you can be legendary if I'm tall enough to punch you in the face. (laughs) Well, look up, look up, look up, uh, look up Charizard's height. Let's see. All right. Let's see. Five seven. Yep. Charizard's I shouldn't a small be able bitch. to choke it. I shouldn't be able if you're if you're in your third evolution, I shouldn't be able to choke you to death. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this now. You just ruined Pokemon. Brandon. Brandon. <clears throat> Nido King. Wait, hang on. Nido King. Size. This is this is just gonna be terrible. Four seven. Hang on, I feel like their show them as much. How short are the people in Pokemon? Because in my head, I remember them with like these things being bigger than they are. Nidoqueen's four three. So, um, well, yeah. Every everything you know about Pokemon heights is wrong. Um. Anywho, when I think of uh, uh of the Rock, I think of Aeon the Terrible from the Rankin Bass Rudolph Shiny New Year uh movie, which is. Which is a nuts movie. Ha, do yeah. you remember that movie at all? The, is that the, 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 hang on, what was it, Rudolph? Rudolph's Shiny New Year. Do you remember that movie at all? Because it was fucking insane. They go like to like. Oh, all, absolutely. I love is, that movie. It is such an insane goddamn movie. They have Baby New Year. That was yep. freaking great. Yeah, and it's just like they go to all the different like holiday lands and like. Yeah. Ah, oh, such a is that Rudolph... the one with the land of misfit toys where like the one no, guy just wants first... to be a dentist? No, oh, okay. That's the first Rudolph movie you're thinking of. But yeah, um, in general though, I don't think that there's like a very strong memory for The Rock in uh, Western culture. To be totally honest, like, um, we don't really have that many touchstones culturally that link to The Rock, right? Um, we don't have outs- that many touchstones culturally. I mean, like, there's. We don't have a lot of stuff. What? For, what like, is... Western culture. What do you mean? Well, like, I don't know. The, 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 there's not a lot of, like, legends unless you're talking about, like, Yes, there are. Like what? A fucking Bigfoot, Mothman, uh, uh, uh Oh, Loveland that's not Frog. like, I'm, I'm thinking like, are... like a, an older, like something that tracks back for a while. Werewolves, vampires. Oh, yeah. <laughs> zombies yeah 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 yeah. brandon brandon we th- we have like oh. 149 <laughs> episodes of them yes <laughs> we have so many episodes about them um regardless so getting back to the rock um like the rock has an influence in like being big birds but like big birds are common throughout folklore in general like across 
the world. Um, yeah. And like you know, we talked about the raw. We talked about the rope in. We talked about Thunderbird. Blah 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 blah. Right. Um. But for now, we're going to talk about the Rock. And the earliest Western account that I can find of the Rock is in the travels of Marco Polo the Venetian. Um. Is the that memoir. different from Marco Polo? Marco Polo. Marco Polo. No, it's Marco Polo. Marco Polo. Okay. Yeah, he's a Venetian. Marco Polo is a Venetian uh, merchant. For those of you who aren't aware um he traveled the spice road between 1271 and 1295 and there's some there's some debate over whether or not marco polo actually did the thing um but there is enough circumstantial evidence to indicate that he probably did that right like he has a lot of details that he mentions that are not mentioned in other westerner accounts that um kind of point to it being like all right he probably did these things right um the memoir itself was uh, published in 1300 and co-written by Ruscello de Pisa and Marco Polo, right? Um, he went on adventures through China, Southeast Asia, and parts of Africa. Um, the collection of stories is divided into four books, and book three is the one that's relevant to today's episode. Uh, one that, second. Just pillaging for all those spices just to not use them. That's... What? What do you mean pillaging? Not well. That's what I'm like. Europe, like they traveled all, for all these spices and shit, and they have the blandest food. Oh yeah. Well, like, I mean, use them. You have shiploads of them. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it's Venice, so it's not like yeah. It's not. It's not England, right? No, they they could be worse. Italian food is not that bland. In general, it's... they got. They got sausages, spicy sausages, and Italian food. I'm not big on Italian. I'm not either, but that that doesn't mean that it's not, like, flavorful. Um, So, uh, Marco Polo's account um, of the island of Madagascar talks about the the story of the rock a little bit. Um, So... The people of the island report a certain season of the year, an extraordinary kind of bird, which they call a ruck, makes its appearance in the southern region. In form, it is said to resemble the eagle, but is incomparably greater in size, being so large and strong as to seize an elephant with its talons and lift it into the air, from whence it lets it fall to the ground, in order that when the dead, it may prey upon the carcass. So, already, uh, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, that's... That's way larger than I had pictured in my head. <clears throat> and what a wild day for that elephant, too. Yeah, that's that's a way to die. I did do the monster math on that. By did the way. you? I did. I did. I did the I did some estimating um for that. And it's it's impressive, to say the least. Um so persons who have seen the bird uh assert that the wings when the rings are spread, the measure is 16 paces in extent from point to point, and the feathers are 8 paces in length and thick in proportion. Okay. Messer, Messer Marco Polo. So here it's it's Mr. Marco Polo, right? Messer. Um, yeah. This is the other author talking uh, about Marco Polo's ex- like adventures. So it's like it's kind of like a dictated thing almost, right? I think it's just like yeah. kind of the way it was written. Um, well, a pace, by the way, if they're still... If they're... If it was the same then as a pace is now, that's 10 feet minus 5 
so it, it it's ten, 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 and then one is five because you start. There's a way to pace when you're uh, surveying. Oh yeah, yeah. I I have the I have the estimate of it for sixty okay. pieces. It's about forty feet. Um. Anywho, so uh, Messer Marco Polo convinced conceiving that these creatures might be griffins, which is so weird. Like that's such huh. a weird jump, right? Like, oh, it's totally griffins, right? This thing yeah. is just it's just griffins. Don't worry about it. Don't worry, um, it's a griffin. No, guys, 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 it's a hippogriff. Chill. Oh God. Fucking <sighs> Anywho. Uh, such are, are represented in paintings, half birds and half lions, particularly question those who reported having seen them as to this point, but they maintain that the shape was altogether that of birds, or, as it might be said, of the eagle. The Grand Khan, having heard of the extraordinary relations, sent messengers to the island on the pretext of demanding a release of one of his servants who had been detained there, but, in reality, to examine the circumstances of the country and the truth of the wonderful things told of it. When they returned to the presence of his majesty, they brought with them, as I have heard, a feather of the ruck, positively affirmed to have measured 90 spans what? and the quill part to have been two palms in circumference. The surprising e exposition afforded majesty, his majesty extreme pleasure, and upon those by whom he, it was presented, he bestowed valuable gifts. Um, so in this account, Brandon, the rock, rendered as rook, is endemic, and that's R-U-K-H is endemic to the island of Madagascar and resembles an eagle with a wingspan of 16 paces. As I said before, that's roughly 12 meters or 40 feet. Um, the feathers of the bird are likewise prodigious, clocking in at around 68 feet in length with a six-inch quill. Because it's two palms, and a palm is about three yeah. inches, right? So it's six inches in circumference. It's fucking huge. Yeah. Right? Um... Returning to the previous large avians covered by this podcast, what? Oh, uh, I was just picturing a rock flying over a car and taking a shit, but because of its size, <laughs> it just shatters the windshield. <laughs> well, no, it would just cover the windshield. Like, it, the car would be crushed. Done. Your car is done. Done. You never, re that car never recovers. And heaven forbid you have a fucking cloth roof. You're fucked. <laughs> um,. So comparing the rock to some of our older, like our la old large avians that we've covered for this podcast, yeah. um, it's it's kind of clocking in at a similar size for some of the tellings, right? Um, one incarnation of the uh, Tombstone Thunderbird had about a 36-foot span. The Ropin was around 23 feet. And, um, of course, there's still like the, the crazy version of the Tombstone Thunderbird, which was 160 feet, which is just... Just fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so the rock also demonstrates a common behavior for creatures in the story, um, in like the rock story, uh, in which they lift its prey and drop it from great heights to kill it. And now raptors in general, um, they tend to be disembowelers, right? Or kill with Got crushing them big force. Old talents. Yeah, yeah. That, that's more of their thing. And when they use gravity... Uh, as a tool, they generally use it to deal with shells, right? When they can't get at the food, the the meaty bits. Yeah. Right? Um, in particular, the golden eagle, which is uh, actually, uh, I think the the golden eagle is endemic to the areas that the rock is is uh, supposed to be from, um, has been observed per performing this behavior to open tortoise shells to get at all the meaty bits. Um, 
That being said, Brandon, the upward thrust of uh yeah, of the rock is fucking insane. Right? Well, it would have to be. So, the strongest eagle's lift is at least by like at a minimum, the rock has a hundredfold increase in upward thrust from the from the fucking like the strongest eagle you can find, right? Yeah. Um, to lift an adult elephant, Brandon, and like this is this is like the smallest of adult elephants. It would need so much thrust as to max a UH sixty A Blackhawk. Yeah. Yeah, uh, when you said that, I was like, "Man, that's you have to be a fucking helicopter to lift up a, and and yeah. not a small helicopter either. Like, no, it, you need a Blackhawk, right? Yeah, which is not a fucking around helicopter. That is a fucking serious heavy duty thing, right? Um, yeah, you practically need a sky crane to deal with a. You need a like a CH fifty three K, like a, yeah. a fucking King Stallion. Yeah, you need yeah. something with some serious thrust. Right, like I think yeah. there's a story about uh, uh, some people taking like, like flying some elephants through helicopters, and they needed multiple helicopters to do it. Right, it's it's a fucking lot, right? And that's um that's like the smallest elephant, right? Um, for the UH the UA the UH sixty eight Blackhawk, it has a useful load about five hundred five thousand seven hundred and ten pounds, based on the source I had, and like yeah. That's just on the edge of like a adult female elephant for African elephant, right? So fucking nuts. Um uh let's see. Aha, I was right. King Stallion can do uh uh can carry a 27,000 pound load. So that that could do it. Well, yeah. That that would be able to do it. That would be able to carry a uh 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 a male African elephant as well. So yeah, it's fucking nuts. It, it's it's nuts, right? Like to say that the rock probably doesn't exist at this point is like a gross understatement. <laughs> yeah, well, that's assuming that it can fly, in part because of its its construction being a yeah. bird, hollow bones. Well, you so if also you, if you square or if you cube a bird's mass to get to that size, it it it. Its body would shatter trying to move. Yes. I mean, yeah. yes, the Q square. The Q square uh, is is my truest nemesis because it prevents kaiju from being real, but it's also my greatest it's my greatest protector because it prevents <laughs> kaiju from being real. <laughs> I'd love a realistic kaiju movie where like none of them can move and they all have like scaled up CPAP machines to breathe. <laughs> The second they leave the water, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck. They're just like, oh, God. And then just uh, humans just, like, get a scoot them to, a, like, a farm somewhere and just, like, rig them up to keep them alive and just keep milking them for kaiju uh, juice and just sell it. <laughs> the kaiju blue in a uh, Pacific Rim. That's really yeah. what would happen. Um, Man, that was such a cool movie. And then they, like, went in, like... Could have stopped it at up. one. Go out on a high note. The worst part is, I love Power Rangers, right? But, like, yeah. there was something wrong about the way they handled the mecha in that movie. It just felt yeah. wrong. And also, having been in Japan now and in Tokyo, Mount Fuji is way too close in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not that's I could see Mount Fuji from Tokyo, but still way too close. Yeah. Um. So the copy of the Travels of Marco Polo, the Venetian that I was able to find on archive.org um, is a translation by William Marsden. And it has a fairly detailed footnote regarding the rock. And I'm going to, to read it pretty much in full because it's actually pretty good. And it does pretty much. I, I kind of was frustrated because it did a lot of the shit that I usually do. And I was like, yeah. hey, old guy, what the fuck are you doing? Getting in <laughs> on my territory. Um, All who have read the story of, one, of A Thousand and One Nights must be acquainted with the size and powers of this extraordinary bird called the rock. But its celebrity is not confined to that work. Its existence seems, indeed, to have been universally credited in the East and those of uh, Arabian navigators with whom our author conversed would not hesitate to at least attest to the fact of such notoriety. But they might find, wouldn't they might find it convenient at the same time to lay the scene of its appearance at a place so little frequented as the southern extremity of Madagascar, which is kind of hilarious because this is written, this, this translation I think was like in the 1800s. Um, yeah. Because the chances were small of any contradiction from local knowledge. So... Already, he's he's basically doing our Bigfoot thing, where it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah of course, of course, you're gonna say it's there because there's no one fucking there. Yeah. <laughs> um, the circumstances, however, of its resorting th- uh, thither thither from the Southern Ocean gives room to conjecture that the tale, although exaggerated, may not altogether be imaginary. That it may have taken its rise from the occasional sight of a real bird of vast, although not miraculous, dimensions. This may be either the albatross, Dimonite Diomeda Exclans, which, although the inhabitant of more southern latitudes, may accidentally visit the shores of Madagascar or the condor of southern Africa. So the dude's which, like, it might just be a big bird. Yeah, birds can get fucking big. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a, like, uh, there, uh, we've... I see lots of bald eagles and peacocks and turkeys and those shits, they, they get large. Well, the other problem too, is once you are looking at something in the sky, particularly in the ocean, you have no frame of reference for how big Absolutely that fucking thing none. is. Especially in the ocean. You, you've got up and down or just fucking planes. Yes. It, it's yeah. like, huh, that could be three inches long or it could be a mile long. I don't fucking know. <laughs> That's what I tell my wife. God damn it. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think in that particular case, you don't need just visual confirmation for that. You got some physical. <laughs> there's some physicality there that's going to yeah. expose that particular lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. Pretty a really quickly. Good imagination. Pretty rap. Yeah, you'd have to have like fucking chalk zone level ma- imagination skills to be able to draw. <laughs> yeah. Man, you, you know. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just now remembering Chalk Zone exists. I don't even remember what Chalk Zone is. So it was about a kid named Rudy who had access to magical chalk that brought him to a land that was just chalk-based? Oh, that show! The blue guy, as soon as I saw blue guy. Yeah, yeah. I think the blue guy was voiced by Rosie O'Donnell, if my memory is correct. What? Blue guy's name was Snap. I could be wrong. Chalk Zone, Snap. Rudy Tabuti was the name of the character. That's what it is. Um, but yeah, so like, like, I I think about that occasionally. Chalk Zone, 
not really all that often. That uh, triggered a quote. Oh, memory. it was Candy, Candy Milo. Candy Milo. Is her, Candy Milo. Uh, I thought for some reason I thought it was I thought it was Rosie O'Donnell for years. Um, but but there's some implications there with the level of like, depending on how good of an artist Rudy was became, there's some really fucked up things Rudy could do. Oh, absolutely. It's a little horrifying. Um, he was just bound by his imagination. Anywho. So returning, aren't we all confined to the prison of our own minds? I mean, I sure am. But... Hell yeah. <laughs> um. So returning to the albatrosses in Condor, um, some of the former, the uh, the albatross, are known to measure no less than fifteen feet between the extremity of the wings, and must appear to those who see them for the first time an extraordinary phenomenon, which is fair, right? Absolutely. Um, of the bulk and powers of the latter bird, we are enabled to form the idea of the account given to it by Barrow in his travels in South Africa. Crows, kites, which are a type of um, uh, of eagle, those are the ones that are like pretty strong, um, yeah. and vultures, he says, are almost the only kinds of birds that are met with the with in the Rogerveld. What? Are, oh, that the, the only times you, kinds that you uh, encounter. Of the last, yeah. I broke the wing of one of the species called by an ornithologist the condor of amazingly large size. The spread of its wing was 10 feet and <laughs> one inch. What a um, dick. Seriously. <laughs> Just broke its fucking wing. Show it who's boss. Fuck that bird. <laughs> um, it kept three dogs for some time completely at bay, having it at length seized one of them with its claws and torn away a large piece of flesh from its thigh. They all immediately retreated. I take that back. You fuck with this dog, break its arm. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the, the dogs are probably fucking with it first, too. Like it's, you're a bird. If you're on the ground, you already fucked up. That he, he's 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 no business that, being there. That's true. Although maybe it was when he broke the arm, the the the, the wing, right? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> um, if the passe passe of the text are intended for the ordinary steps of two feet and a half, that's the paces, right? Yeah. Um, the measure given to the wings of the rock would be 40 feet. In the description of the quill feathers, the exaggeration is still greater, and those of the albatross or condor would be diminutive in comparison. But it must be observed that, with respect to the specimen said to have been produced by the messengers whom the Grand Khan had sent to examine the natural curiosities, as well as the political state of the country, our author expresses himself with caution and employs the qualifying terms, Sicome intense and la qual li fu affamato. Um, as wishing to be understood that he did not pretend having uh, having seen the things itself, but he believed the existence of the bird cannot be doubted. Um, so yeah, basically he's like, eh, maybe, maybe this is real. I don't know. Yeah, he's like, I don't know. I ain't been to Madagascar. They say it's there. Well, he had, he was. That's where he learned oh. about it. But uh, like, copy. But like, he didn't see it. So he's just like, I don't know. I don't think these people would lie to me. But like, I I want I I would say it's very well, incurious, but uh, I feel like calling Marco Polo incurious is like wrong. Yeah. <laughs> also, they would well, I would absolutely lie to him if I was a local. Oh, 100%. anywhere I am, I'm always willing to lie, all the time. I do it mm-hmm. all the time. It's. Great source of joy. To well, me. as we've as we've been accounted for on this podcast, lying to non-local people is a pastime in in rural areas. 
It's a pastime in rural areas. It's lying to everyone I know is a pastime. I had so many people, so many, so, so many people convinced that I never, I just didn't know what lasagna was for a week. It was great. <laughs> People were just coming up to me and trying to explain it. It was great. They were <laughs> it was so much fun. It was so much. And there's a and there's there's there like Erica. Uh, there, I have a couple friends there that they know like it's my thing, mm-hmm. and they 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 I get them all the time. But as soon as they see me do it to someone else, and they immediately know what I'm doing, they get so much fucking joy. Oh no! It's, it's so much fucking joy. It's great when you're not one of the one. Not, you're not a person who's uh, currently experiencing it. As a rule. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it took me a while before. Like it took me longer than I care to admit to get good at being like, no, Brandon, you're full of shit, and I know you're full of shit. Yeah, it does backfire sometimes because I do have like a lot of fun facts that I like to tell, but then people don't believe my fun facts. Mm-hmm. And then I, I have to pull out my phone. It's a it's a struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, you, it's you, worth you it. have two wolves inside of you, and one of them wants to lie constantly, and the other <laughs> one wants to tell people cool facts about I don't know fucking Worcester sauce. Yeah. Oh yeah, anchovies fermented. It's it's in there. Um, yeah. True. That's a truth. Yes. It's a truth. Delicious. It's so good. Yeah. Which <laughs> I feel like is a controversial opinion. It's the the the, the it's grosser. Got, it's, it's basically vinegar. Yeah, it's it's basically vinegar. The grosser shit, the components that make up a food are the more like mwah, it is in the end for whatever reason. I mean, that's that's just because humans are fucking weird. Yeah, like we we just we we we're weird. We're terrible. Yeah, some people call it complex, some people call it rotten fish juice, whatever. I mean, uh, what should we call it? Like um uh like beer is kind of just rotten rotten barley yeah. and right? Like soy so, sauce, real soy sauce, not what you get from like Hannaford or whatever, but like the real shit. Yeah, that's that's just rotten uh rice. Yeah. Right? Rice. It's I forget all the components. That no, no, that's there, sake. There's, there's, sake there's is a number of things. Yeah, that's sake. The uh, there's a number of ingredients that I just watched a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube on it, and and it's all left in my brain already. Mm-hmm. I have a toddler. Well, yeah, I mean, also it doesn't help that your brain has been poisoned by uh, well over a decade of social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. E- everyone's fucked. Anywho. So Brandon, this is uh this is now bringing us to the most famous account of the rock. Um uh like the most famous depiction comes from the yeah. Seven Voyages of Sinbad the Sailor, right? God, I loved him in that genie movie. I Brandon, I have a joke about that, but you know Do what? You... Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Brandon. I never ever once thought that uh uh Shazam was a thing. With Sinbad, never. There's ever it's just mo- similar movies came out around the same time in the same time period, and you just get actors crisscrossed in your noodle. Da, yeah, da, well, yeah. So I actually looked it up, and I know the I know what happened more or less. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, also, turns out Sinbad's real name, David Adkins. I'm betrayed. <laughs> no. Sinbad's not his real name. The comedian. The comedian, Sinbad. His real name is David Adkins. Come on. Oh, come on, Adkins. Uh-huh. Yep. Really? Yeah, so it turns out um, the part of the reason people think that the cause the Shazam thing happened is because <laughs> Sinbad was wearing a genie outfit while presenting a TV marathon of Sinbad movies in 1994. Oh. So people, like, got it twisted. But, like, I'll be real. I've never thought of, I've never once no, thought No, shit, he's in Good Shazam. Burger 2. Is he? Good Burger yeah. 2 existing is a weird choice. Yeah, I loved him. If he was in a movie, he was in Jingle All the Way. That shit was great. Meteor Man, Coneheads. He did a lot of good stuff. In Jingle All the Way, that's the one with uh, the Turbo Man. That's uh, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger Schwarzenegger trying to get the lead um, with uh, Turbo Man. Yeah, he he. If my memory is correct, Sinbad was like the villain character. He was either, like, a mailman or a guy that worked in a store, I think. Yeah, but he dressed up as the villain character from Turbo Man. Because remember how how, Uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character gets dressed up as Turbo Man? Yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, Sinbad's character gets dressed up as as Turbo Man, and then they have, like, a fight. Yeah. Oh, he's Mr. Smiley in Steven Universe. Oh, really? Yeah. That, That tracks. That tracks. Um. Anywho. Getting off the work of uh, of David Adkins, um, this, the Seven Voyages of Sinbad is a, a story cycle within the Thousand Arabian Nights story cycle. Um, yeah. Which, for those of you who don't know, uh, Thousand Arabian Nights is about Shahrazad, uh, who is not just a Magic the Gathering card that restarts a Magic sub game within your game, um, that is banned in every format but is a storyteller, right? So she tells the story of Sinbad over seven nights, right? Um, yeah, also a great this... cl- old fucking claymation movie, by the way. I got distracted because I was like, could have sworn I saw a Sinbad movie. It was The Seven Voyages of Sinbad was a claymation movie that came out a long time ago. It's very good. Was it? Live action I... live action claymation. Mm, okay. So it's got like the, uh, it's, oh God, I want to watch it now. It was so good. I used to watch it all the time. It was a problem. <laughs> uh, um, so in this story cycle, uh, it details the fictional adventures of Sinbad, the merchant slash sailor. Um, yep. Now, in the common framing device, uh, Sinbad relates the stories. Sinbad, the sailor, relates his adventures to a porter who also happens to be named Sinbad. Oh, God. Right? And um, in this story cycle, it's seven voyagers in which Sinbad is simultaneously the luckiest and least mother lucky motherfucker to have ever existed. And Brandon, you're going to see. I'm going to go through the whole thing, like just yeah. like kind of a, a general overview with a few like when we get to the rock, we'll delve into what it actually says. But it's a fucking insane story. Um but, like, there are two voyages that are particularly relevant to us. That's two and five. Um, but, like I said, I'm going to give you a brief st- summary because I'm going to guess that most people who are listening to this don't know the actual story um, of, of uh, Sinbad the Sailor. 
Now, also, there is a really good ride at Tokyo, um, at Disney Sea in Tokyo for Sinbad. Yeah. It was my favorite ride in the entire park. And it was like a dark ride where they just sing a song in Japanese. Didn't understand a word of what was happening, but it had such cool animatronics. And the song was catchy. <laughs> um, so the epic, Brandon, starts as all good rags to riches stories do. With Sinbad li- liquidating his inheritance, partying, and then selling off the dregs of his genera- generational wealth for enough money to embark on a ship with some trading goods. So, you know, normal people becoming rich story. You start out yeah. rich. That's how it works. Uh-huh. You you have to begin rich to become rich. Um, as the ship travels, they stop in an island, which appears to be a meadow flush with the sea. Um, the crew stops to make a fire. Um, the island, which is in fact a giant whale, moves and dives, resulting in many drownings. Although Sinbad survives, floats to the shore, and meets some grooms, which are horse taker care people care of people which is literally what i wrote horse taker care of people um (laughs) basically they're people who take care of horses um i don't know why i didn't just write people who take care of horses (laughs) huh interesting horse horse folk horse folk who are totally normal people and should always be respected horse folk horse folk yeah that's fair Horse You're not to be avoided. Maintain eye contact. Yes, yes. It's like a horse. You don't come up on. You don't come up from behind on a horse person. <laughs> exactly. Never you have to let them know you're there. Always approach a horse person at first. Hold out your hand so they can smell it before you start talking mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. They will appreciate it. They will. Mm-hmm. They they'll feel more comfortable with the conversation. Um. Be careful though. They might think you're a horse person, too, if you do this. There's don't let them nuzzle you. Mm-hmm. A- after that, you're fucked. You're just you're fucked. that You can't come back from that. Then they're going to take you to the fucking barn. They're going to have you muck a stable. And then you're just going to be like, what the fuck is happening in my life? And you're going to be, there's nothing you can do. You're fucked. You're going to get invited to cribbing parties. It's going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> Horses are so dumb. <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna breathe myself to death. <laughs> Fucking horses. God. So I worked these a pe- barn dance once and that like turned into a, just a thing I had to do was go Every so many minutes, just go stop this one fucking horse from, from fucking cribbing on the fence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's like, no, you dumbass. Don't die. It's basically it's basically like dealing with cats and like you drop a piece of plastic and then they're like, oh, I'm going to eat that. Yeah. And it's like, no, don't. You fucking idiot. God, my cat ate a hair tie and it, it was rough dealing with that for a little while. Fucking cats. It, 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 it's astounding to me how much, but then again, as I say that, I'm about to say it's astounding to me how much animals do things that are going to kill themselves. Um, and then I just think about all the habits in my life that I have, and I'm just like, I'm not much better, am I? No. Um, <laughs> so the the grooms bring him to the king, who starts, uh, whom he starts working for when the ship he had been traveling on eventually makes landfall on the kingdom, and he gets back his mercantile goods, which he then offers to the king, who, instead of accepting, gives him gifts, which he then sells to get more wealthy and returns to his home in Baghdad. Thus... 
ending the first voyage. So, um, he gets rich, right? He's wealthy. So yeah. most people would be like, yeah, fuck that. I nearly drowned on a on the back of a whale that had grass on it. I'm not doing that again, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the normal thought. Um but, you got uh, your money. Just go relax. Just yeah. normal ship travels at uh-huh. that period of time were fucking terrible. Even now you got a yacht, them orcas coming for you. Well, well Just that's because you have a yacht. You should not exactly. have a yacht. Orcas orcas know what you're fucking oh. doing. If you can afford a yacht, orcas know what you're doing. And they're going to fucking get you. Here's every, show solidarity with fucking orcas. Sink a yacht? Yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the, the people's mammal. They are. They are. Um, so, uh, basically, at, at the core of Sinbad, there is this fundamental story of, like, the the crackedness of rich people where it's like, I have money, but you know what? I'm going to have a little more money. doesn't matter that I nearly died. Right. I um, want to be like smog. Basically. Um, this time Brandon on his voyage, his ship leaves when he falls asleep by a river during landfall. And at this oh, point, good. the rock enters the story. At last, I resigned myself to the will of God, and not knowing what to do, I climbed this to the top of a great tree from which I looked out at all sides to see if there was anything that could give me hope. When I looked towards the sea, I could see nothing but sky and water. But looking towards the land, I saw something white, and coming down from the tree, I took up what provisions I had left and walked towards it, the distance being so great that I could not distinguish what it was. When I came nearer, I thought it to be a white bowl of prodigious height and bigness, and when I came up to it and touched it, I found it to be very smooth. I went round to see if there was a, it was open on any side, but it saw it was not, and there was no climbing up to the top of it. It was so smooth. It was at least 50 paces round, so it's fucking huge, right? Yeah. Um, and this is bigger than the rock, as we understand it anyways, because it's 50 paces around the egg of a, of, a, of a rock, right? So that's fucking massive. Yeah, giant. Mm-hmm. So by this time, the sun was ready to set, and all of a sudden, the sky becomes dark, as if it had been covered by the thick cloud. I was much astonished by this sudden darkness, but much more when I found it was occasioned by a bird of monstrous size that came flying towards me. I remembered a fowl called Rock that I had often heard mariners speak of, uh, mariners speak of, and conceived that the great bull, which I had so much admired, must be its egg. In short, the bird lighted upon and sat uh, over the egg to hatch it. As I perceived her coming, I crept close to the egg, so that I might before me one of the legs of the bird. My, so, so I had before me one of the legs of the bird, which was as big as a tree trunk. I tied myself strongly to it with cloth that went round my turban in hopes that when the rock flew away the next morning, she would carry me with her out of this desert island. And Great after having plan. passed, yes, it is a phenomenal plan. And also not the only time he does it. <laughs> um, in like, all, he does this multiple times throughout he the stories. He tying himself to shit. Yes, he yeah. does. It is a real problem. Um, Just as a bondage kink. Pretty much. I tied myself strongly to it with a cloth that went around my turban in hopes that when the rock flew away the next morning, she would carry me with her out of this desert island. After having passed the night in this condition, the bird really flew away the next morning, as soon as it was day, and carried me so high that I could not see the earth. 
Then she descended all of a sudden with so much rapidity that I lost my senses. So he fucking passes out. <laughs> yeah. Um, when the rock was settled, I found myself upon the ground. I speedily untied the knot and had scarcely done so when the bird, having, been, having taken up a servant of monstrous length in her bill, flew away. The place where she left me was a deep valley, encompassed on all sides with mountains, so high it seemed to reach above the clouds, and so steep of rocks there was no possibility of getting out of the valley. This was a new perplexity. So that I had compared this place to a desert island from which the rock brought me, I found I had gained nothing by the change. So basically, oh he goes from fucked to more fucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh because it gets worse. As I walked through the valley, I perceived it was strewn with diamonds, some of which were of surprising bigness, and it took a great deal of pleasure looking at them. But speedily, I saw at a distance such objects very much to, that <laughs> such objects as a very much diminished my satisfaction, in which I could not look upon without terror. There are a great number of serpents, so oh, big, God. so big, and so long that at least one of them was capable of swallowing an elephant. They retired in the daytime to their dens, but hid where they hid themselves from the rock, their enemy, and did not come out but in the nighttime. Um, oh, that guy. Yeah. So he basically falls asleep on an island, finds a giant egg, ties himself to the, the bird that laid the giant egg, and then ends up in a pit of snakes that also happens to have diamonds. Yeah, I mean, at least pocket a couple diamonds. We're going to get there. Um, so notably in this story, uh, that egg is about a circumference of 125 feet and a predator yeah. of the snakes, which is important for later because when we get into the story of like the origin of the rock, there is a bit of, there's something important there. Um, yeah. I like a cloaca you can park a car in. Yeah. <laughs> a modest home. Yeah. <laughs> So this is the new episode of Tiny Homes. Um, this person has a rock as a tiny home. So how do you get into it? Well, you just you just open this cloaca here, yeah. and you just you just step over here in the uterus. And uh, well, actually, I don't think I don't think they have uterus. Just a rope ladder hanging down between its legs. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, beyond that, the description largely aligns with suggest those suggested in Travels of Marco Polo, other than the fact that it's like absolutely prodigious. Um, this voyage concludes with Sinbad rescuing himself from the va uh, from the valley by tying himself to a piece of meat um, that the eagle carries out of the valley. Uh, that an eagle carries out of the valley. I'm not even sure if it's a rock. I don't think it's a rock. So it's some a big other ass eagle, some big ass eagle, picks up a human out of a valley, and when he leaves, he of course grabs some diamonds on the way out, um, which then you know results in fantastic wealth. And because he's not fucking done. He goes on a third voyage. And this time, it's basically just the Middle Eastern retelling of Odysseus and Polyphemus. Um, although in this particular story, the Cyclops is more elephantine in nature. Um, Sinbad, of course, escapes, meets up with the captain from the first from the previous story who had abandoned him, and gets back his cargo, which he then, of course, sells and becomes, once again, fantastically wealthy. Um, because, you know, this is a story about a man becoming rich being stupid, and then becoming rich again. There's not really a good lesson here. No. The The only lesson here is the fact that um, uh, uh, rich people are pathological. <laughs> and love tying themselves to shit. They do. So, oh, and the, voyage number four is 
probably one of the most insane ones. <laughs> so Sinbad in this voyage, they get stranded again. Um, yeah. And this time they survive cannibals. He needs eat- to get a new navigator. That uh, <laughs> Full stop. Like, like the yeah. fourth time you shipwreck, get a different yeah. guy. Yeah. So in this story, uh, other members of his voyage are drugged and fattened up and then eaten by cannibals. But he doesn't eat the drugs. So he's able to escape them, right? Um, and then he's rescued by people from a kingdom with a practice of, of burying their still living spouse with their deceased partner. So if your wife dies, you get buried with that wife alive. Uh, I mean, I get it. <laughs> now, also, Brandon, Sinbad learns of this practice after he becomes bigamously married at the behest of the king because he's still married back in, in Baghdad with children. Yeah. At this point in the series of stories. Listen, everyone needs a good secret second family. That's yeah. it's, it, it's it's great. So his wife dies, and he's buried alive in a cave where he survives by stealing bread and water from new victims of the practice, because for whatever reason, they bury living spouses with, with a week's worth of food and water. Well, that's that's convenient. Yeah. It, they they bury them in like a cave thing too. Yeah. Um uh, this time, he robs the graves of people buried in this way and finds a way out of the cave. Wait, 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 wait. Does this also mean, or potentially mean, that he's just also stealing food from the still-living partners of Yeah, he's, uh, in one thing, I think I saw he beat people to death and took the oh, food. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. good. <laughs> I think it depends on the telling. Um, but he gets let out of the cave by this weird, like, uh, the one version of it I saw had it, like, depicted as, like, a weird tiny plesiosaur type thing um, that, like, leads him out of the cave. Of course. And, like, he meets up with another ship and, once again, by selling the the jewelry of the dead, becomes wealthy. Um, so, really, I think the point of the story at this point... At this point in the story, you should just know, Sinbad's a shithead. He's kind of a dick. Yeah, completely. Kind of a dick. Kind of. So in the fifth voyage, Sinbad decides he wants to run the show. And this time, he commissions a ship to be built so he can once again embark. Unfortunately, he comes across a second rock's egg in his travels. And his passengers, in this case, are dumb as fuck, as, you know, is predicted. We sailed with the first wind, and after a long voyage, the first place we touched at was a desert island, where we found an egg of a rock equal in size to that I formerly mentioned. There was a young rock in it, just ready to be hatched, and the bill began to appear. The merchants, whom I had taken on board my ship, and who landed with me, broke the egg with hatchets and made a hole in it, from which they pulled (sighs) out the young rock piece by piece and roasted it. I had earnestly persuaded them not to meddle with the egg, but they would not listen to me. It's probably delicious. Probably. Or maybe terrible. I don't know. It's either really, like, great or awful. I mean, people like balut. I mean, that's like cooked balut, basically. Fair enough. I'm assuming... I'm assuming balut is, is like, raw chicken baby. It's chicken baby in a hard-boiled egg. Gotcha. Yeah. Good, good. I hate it. I hate anything that involves bones. I, I've told uh, Christina this on many times. I would be vegetarian if I didn't like the t- taste of meat so much because yeah. anytime, 
anytime that I'm reminded I'm eating an animal, I suddenly can't like deal with it. Yeah. No, I'm the um, same way. <laughs> like, it just makes me very sad. I love meat, but then I become super sad. <laughs> um Scarcely they had made an end to their feet. St- because of course, when appeared, there appeared in the air at considerable distance from us two great clouds. The captain, whom I hired to manage my ship, knowing by experience what it meant, cried that it was the cock and hen rock that had belonged to the young one, <laughs> and pressed to us to reembark with all speed to prevent the misfortune which he saw would otherwise befall us. We made haste to do so and set sail with all possible diligence. In the meantime, the two rocks appeared with a frightful noise, which they redoubled. Uh, when they saw the egg broken and their young one gone, but having a mind to avenge themselves, they flew back towards the place from which they came and disappeared for some time, while we made all the sail we could to prevent um, that which unhappily, unhappily befell us. They returned, and we observed that each of them carried between their talons stones, or rather, rocks of a monstrous size. So the rocks were carrying rocks. Um, <laughs> when they came directly over my ship, they hovered, and one of them let fall a stone. But by the dexterity of the steersman, who turned the ship with a rudder, it missed us, falling by the side of the ship into the sea. Divided the water so that we could almost see the bottom. That's how fucking heavy this goddamn rock was. Um, The other rock, to our misfortune, threw the stone so exactly upon the middle of the ship that it split it into a thousand pieces. The mariners and passengers were all killed by the stone or sunk. I myself had uh, had the last fate. But... As I came up again, I fortunately caught hold of a piece of the wreck and swimming sometimes with one hand and sometimes the other, but always holding fast to my board. The wind and tide failing me, I came upon an island where the beach was very steep. I overcame that difficulty, however, and got ashore. So I love the fact that he specifies that he was uh, he was sunk and not killed. Yeah. It's like, hmm, I wonder. I wonder if I could have uh, could have intuited that, but, you know, whatever. He's like, just so you know, I didn't die. Yeah. Just yeah. just to let you know, I'm still alive. I'm not I'm not a zombie or a ghost. Um So once again in this story, the prodigious size of the rock and its strength are on display. Um when Sidbad gets onto the island, he sees an old man. And now, Brandon, when you see an old man, what do you think to do? Uh I don't Cause like I can I can I almost guarantee you don't do what what Sinbad does. I just think about kicking him really. Okay, that probably would have saved your that probably wouldn't good for you. Because when Sinbad sees the old man, he's like, You're struggling. I'm gonna give you a piggyback ride. Oh, that's what my second thing was gonna be. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just love giving uh piggyback rides to the elderly. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so as as he puts the elderly man on his shoulders, the old man instantly clamps down on him with leg his legs and uses Sinbad as a vehicle. <laughs> um, and to escape this fantastic iteration of what people believe to be an orangutan, um, what? because I think orangutan means old man of the jungle, right? Oh, something like that. Something old man like of the that. forest. Yeah. Um so yeah, uh people people assume that this might be a, a telling of the orangutan. Um the way that he escapes from it is he gets it shit-faced, right? Oh, By perfect. like fermenting some some like fruit 
And then, as soon as the, the orangutan or the the old man releases him from his grip, he beats the shit out of it with a rock and smashes its head in. And then he gets rich selling coconuts. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, the sixth and seventh voyages are basically linked. Um, in some tellings, uh, he gets shipwrecked, ends up in a wealthy country after escaping an isolated shore uh, by riding a raft through a cave, which he tied himself to. Yes, he did uh, for several he days. Um, he offers the king of this country the riches he acquired, which naturally results in him being rewarded because, you know, that's how this story goes. He then leaves the country for home where he gives the caliphate a gift from the other king, which then prompts Voyage 7, where he gives the other king a gift from the caliphate. And after this, he's enslaved on his return trip, hunts elephants, who ultimately bring him to an elephant graveyard and makes his master so much money that he frees him and gives him some of the profits. He then returns home once again, fantastically wealthy. Um, notably, uh, there is an alternate telling of the seventh voyage, but I didn't read it. <laughs> Fair. Um, so despite the prevalence of the rock in pop culture, there isn't really much more on the bird beyond these two accounts. That being said, the rock, I believe, represents more of an archetype than a specific flesh and blood creature, right? Um, yeah. It's, it's more of a storytelling motif than it is like an actual entity, right? Um, but now, as with the study of most mythical creatures, the precise origin of the rock is lost to the sands of time. And um, if we're being honest, probably the sacking of Constantinople. <laughs> um, I don't know how much we, knowledge we've lost due to the, the sacking of Constantinople and the burning of the Library of Ande- <sighs> Alexandria, but it was a lot. It was a lot. Also, it was a lot. Persia on the Sands of Time, solid game. Thumbs up. What? It's a game, unlike the old Xbox. Yeah, no, I know, but is it because the, it takes place during the sacking of Constantinople and I didn't know that? No, you just said Sands of Time and it, and it made oh, you have a memory. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, there is one suggestion, however, that places the rock's mythological origin in the uh, storytellings of Indian tradition. Um, particularly in the stories of Garuda and the Naga. Now, I read a I read a, an academic article for this <laughs> yeah. in a field that I'm not necessarily associated with. It was a lot. Um, I skimmed it and yeah. did what I normally do when I read academic articles, even in the field that I'm in. Turns out, Brandon, most most of academia, you can read the abstract introduction and conclusion and you can pretty much get everything you need out of the out of the paper um just to let you know uh and then if you if you have stuff that actually matters to you in that paper then you read the rest of it but if you're like trying to identify what paper you need to read that's the strategy abstract intro conclusion read those Um, the control f to find yourself uh the parts you care about uh once no, once you once you find that it matters, it's generally yeah. a good idea to read the whole yeah, thing. Right. <laughs> um, in 1926, is the bird and the serpent uh, myth? Caliphida Mitra mentions an interesting trend in mythology, one where the hero of myth acquires the power to speak to birds, which is like a recurring theme, right? Symbolically, yeah. um, birds represent freedom and divinity, and thus prophecy. And communication with them confers these qualities. Contrastingly. The serpent is associated with knowledge. Now, most of our listeners, uh, based on my statistics, should be at least partially familiar with these symbolic representations, because most of it, most of our listeners are from like the Western world. Um, yeah. Uh, because they are recurrent motifs in Abrahamic religions, 
um, mythology and symbology, that kind of stuff. Now, for those of you who don't know, Abrahamic religions are Christianity, Judaism, Islam, and all of the splinter cults that formed off of all of those. Um, yeah. uh, so here, the serpent is typically a representation of Satan, uh, or more specifically, the adversary, right? Because... yeah. Satan as a concept is complicated if we're getting into like actual like Christian lore, right? Because it's not necessarily a single entity. Because Satan is like the advers like that that translates to the adversary, right? Yeah. And like Lucifer is a devil, right? But like Lucifer isn't necessarily Satan. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is, uh, uh, uh um. What was the name of the show with Henry Zabowski? Your Pretty Little Faces uh, pr- uh, yeah. Going to Hell. Yeah. Pretty Little Faces Going to Hell is probably pretty accurate to how like hell is structured in, fantastic. in, in, in Christian fantastic. mythology. Because there's like more than one Satan kind of conceptually. Yeah. Cause, like, they're, like all, they're all little devils working in an office. Pretty yeah. much. I mean, I think I think that's probably one of the most accurate depictions of like what hell would actually be. <laughs> and then they sneak a bunch of them into into uh his asshole and send him to heaven. And then they 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 attack heaven. I only saw season one. Oh season yeah I think that was season three. It's pretty good. Um so returning to talking about like mythology and symbology, uh the serpent is a representation of Satan and the dove typically is Jesus or like the Holy Spirit, something along those lines. Now, unsurprisingly, this is not a unique feature of Abrahamic religions, as many mythological traditions incorporate this motif to represent the source of knowledge, that being the the serpent, right? Because the serpent is the thing that gets Eve to eat the apple, and or not the apple, but the the tree, the fruit from the tree of knowledge, and yada yada. Was it not an apple? It, it is not an apple. apple. It is not oh. an apple. It's just commonly depicted. Common as an storytelling. Apple. Gotcha. Yeah. It's it's a visual motif to depict it as an apple, but really gotcha. what it is is it is the fruit from the tree of knowledge, right? Gotcha. Most overrated apple, Ludacrisp. Ludacrisp? Yeah. So Ludacris has a an apple um, that, that, that that they're in orchards around here. And he has a vanity the, apple. He has a vanity apple, and when you cut the apple, it turns red. Like blood, it's it's really cool, but it doesn't taste great, and its texture is kind of like it's mid. It's just a mid apple. Wow, that must that must really suck because like it, it invokes the thoughts of like a Honeycrisp. So it's like, oh, yeah. cool, this might be the good. Best apple, the yeah. best apple, inarguably, Honeycrisp uh-huh. is the best apple. And statistically, uh, I can I can prove that because every time you go apple picking, if you aren't there the week that the Honeycrisps go up, go out, or they're gone. are ready, they're gone. Immediately, the best every apple. single time. No one bakes anymore, so they leave all the shitty ones that you have to bake on the mm-hmm. tree. You just want a solid fucking Honeycrisp. Mm-hmm. So you've heard it here, folks. If you're in, if you're in New York State, don't get the Honeycrisp because we want them. There's, Fuck off. Get your fucking hands. Get your filthy fucking hands off my Honeycrisp. <laughs> Pretty much. Um. So, uh. What's interesting, though, is in Abrahamic religions, um, the serpent's associated with knowledge, but it's also, like, especially Christianity associates knowledge with evil, right? 
Yeah. Um, which is super rare, actually, when we we're talking about like various religions. Yeah. Knowledge is not typically associated with evil. It's just a very, it's a very weird like Christian thing. Yeah. Well, um, Lu- Lucifer is a light bringer again, like light and knowledge and all that shit. It's, yeah. 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 You know, it's there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I'll say this: Christianity's a little on the nose sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, returning to in- India, enmity exists between serpents and birds. With serpents knowing the language of birds as a form of defense, right? That's um, cool. Because the victims know the habits of their enemies to evade them. That's like the concept. The concept, right? They learn yeah. the language of birds so they can react to it. Because the snake is, of course, predated upon by the birds, right? Um, in the Hindu tradition, this struggle is rendered as conflict between two mythological creatures slash deities, the Nagas and Garuda. Okay. And we're going to talk about Garuda. Garuda, um, outside of being a very popular summon, uh, in the Final Fantasy games and whatnot, uh, is the son of Kashyapa and Vinata, the brother of Aruna and half-brother to the Nagas. And he is also... Vishnu's mount, as in Hell yeah. Vishnu, the god with multiple arms, flies around on Garuda. Um, it's a rare de- mount. Well, solid wait. get. In in now, I haven't played enough WoW. Was there a Garuda mount in WoW? Not the. I got. I stopped post Cataclysm pre Missive Pandaria. Hmm. So at that period of time, no. Now I I don't know. Maybe. Fair enough. You were really deep into it. I had to stop. It became an issue. I stopped because I was like, I'm, I, I, it was, it was, it was a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the deity Garuda is rendered as both humanoid with bird features, namely a beak and bird feet, which we've got a picture of right there. And it is probably the most horrifying single thing I've ever seen. It implies that birds have nipples. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, and there is another variant of it as a giant Brahimini kite, kite. I don't know if it's kite or kite. Um, the redback yeah. sea eagle, right? So, I uh, see. I like that because that that reminds me of. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! What's that anime with um Reptalia, Shield Hero? It reminds me of um that oh, one. Yeah, Philo. what's her face from Shield Hero? Philo. Yeah, Philo. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great that's a great series, but it's also kind of terrible. So listen. I'll say season three season one and three are the strongest. Season two lost me a little bit. Listen, listen, Brandon. Raftalia is a child. There, She's the, like eleven. The whole show starting from episode one, the the show is problematic. Yes. And Raftalia is a child. She is like 11 or 12. I just, yeah. I really, I really and think not, it's important. Not one of those weird like anime premise kids where like, yeah. they're like, no. they look 11, but they're really 112. Raftalia is a kid. Raftalia is canonically a child who yeah. then grows up because that's just how their race works is once they level up, they grow but yeah. like that doesn't mean that her thought process is an adult's thought process 
Yeah, or before before she levels up, she's ten. <laughs> and I loved that series, but I cannot get past the fact that Raftalia is a ten year old a ten year old who looks twenty. Okay? Really fucked up. The the the, the opposite of most anime characters. <laughs> Yes. Well, actually, there's also one. There's a similar thing that's in uh, Bokutatsu Tenshi Dokuruchan, which is Bludgeon to Death Angel of Dokuruchan, um, which is uh, yeah. Dokuru's sister looks like 25, but she's like nine. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Um, the other thing about that series that's uh, problematic is it starts with an accusation of essay. Oh, more than essay. <laughs> yeah, that's how it starts, episode one. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, it's a... And there's also, like, racism embedded in that because, like, they hate the shield hero because it's the hero of the beast folk. And There's a lot, okay? That series yeah. is a lot. I love a lot of isekai, but there is a very serious problem in isekai where slavery is just like, okay? It's it's part of it. <laughs> it's very strange, Brandon. It's very strange. Yeah. Um I I mean, I think part of that is that Japan didn't really experience chattel slavery, so like they're a little more blasé about the concept. Oh, perhaps. But I, I, don't, I, 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 don't I don't know that much. <laughs> Anywho, um uh, returning to the mount, mount the issue of mounts. Um, in terms of size, Garuda is variable, right? Um, in some depictions, he's large enough to block out the sun, um, and he's generally, though, considered a very powerful entity. Um, he was able to steal the Amarita from heaven after defeating the gods, defending it, including Indra, who is like one of the highest ranking gods. Um, yeah. So basically, he steals like the thing that grants everlasting life, effectively. Um, gotcha. I was just gonna say, what the heck is the? Uh, yeah, Amarita is like a very common uh, thing. It's basically ambrosia in Greek mythology, right? So yeah. Um, now, in one version of his origin story, Garuda's mother Venata asked uh, Kashyapa Prajapati. For two children, Nailed it. evenly matching the power of the 1,000 Naga sons of her younger sister, Kadru. Kashyapa granted her these children as two eggs to be nurtured for hundreds of years. In her impatience, Vinata broke one of the eggs prematurely when Kadru's sons um, were born 500 years into the incubation, resulting in the birth of a diminished Aruna cur- who cursed her his mother to be a slave to her younger sister. He then promptly <laughs> fucked off and like helped carry the, the sun across the sky. Um, yeah. Garuda was born to Venata when she was in bondage to Aruna. Wanting to see his mother free, he asked Kadru for his mother's freedom. Um, uh, oh, I wrote that wrong. Wasn't in bondage to Aruna. Was in bondage to Karu, uh, Kadru. Because Aruna is his brother, I think. I'm bad with names. Anywho, um, he asks Kadru for his mother's freedom, who requires him to retrieve the aforementioned Amarita, which, as I mentioned before, is analog- analogous to Ambrosia in Greek mythology, which is like the food of the gods, right? 
Um, yeah. So when when I put that in the old Google machine, it said that it's uh, the Sanskrit word for immortality. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's basically like this concept of it. It, it, it usually it typically confers immortality. It confers power. It's like all this stuff. You know, godliness. It's, it's like, godliness. It, it, the, the object that confirms godliness in whatever way fits the the story narrative yeah. best. It, it and it, it it's variable depending on the story, right? Because like these types of things are like. In one person's telling, it will be this, and another person's telling, it will be this. You just have to be aware of like the fact that they're motifs, and they're not necessarily going to be identical throughout every story, right? Because like, think about all the different tellings of Thor, all the different tellings of Zeus, right? Um, they're not necessarily congruent storytelling, right? And they're not yeah. necessarily in the same like continuity, but they're they do have these similar motifs. There's a lot to mythology mythology is very complicated <laughs> and we're not going to get into all the complications of mythology i'm just telling you the broad strokes here now regardless uh garuda exhibits great strength to steal down marita and he secures not only his mother's freedom but his position as vishnu's per- personal mount um notably this origin paints garuda as the enemy of snakes visible in the above painting where uh garuda is carrying a snake in its uh, talons while being a professional fourth wheel to uh, uh, Vishnu. Yep. Which is kind of great. Now, uh, the Naga, the half snake, half creatures, human creatures played a part in the enslavement of his mother. So he's naturally uh, not a fan of them. Right. Yeah. Um, Culturally, Garuda is of great importance in Asia and it's represented on many country seals and national emblems. Right. Although the Naga best mouse i'll put it out there oh <laughs> the razor mouse there's yeah got mine right here baby god damn it Brandon. um i'm i've always been a logitech boy myself it's i need all the buttons i have a i need all the buttons i have well i only have three i've got just where my thumb sits i've got 12 buttons right here just for the thumb god damn it um i you know how i did it i i would map I map when I played MMOs. I mapped each button to a different like um, hotkey, basically. So then I could yeah. do multiple key inputs. So then that way I was still using my left hand for most stuff, and I was just switching up with the the hotkeys. Gotcha. See, I like having my uh, my WASD fingers free. I don't like having to like move my index finger to like reload, or even if it's not an MMO. I like to have like my left hand is pure WASD and and and. Uh, Everything else I like to keep on the thumb. That way I don't have to uh, lose that moment of time lifting my finger off the D. That's what she said. <laughs> oh my god. We've been we've been watching a lot of 90 Day Fiance, Brandon. Um, oh, I'm sorry. There are some of the most like reprehensible human beings I've ever seen on the planet on that show. Like, just inexcusable like calling them humans feels wrong and there's one there was one person who went to Greece and has a shirt that says divorced and looking for the D oh god and I hate it also there's like there's a really weird undercurrent of like fetishization of people based on their their like country of origin on that show that's really yeah. just not acceptable if we're going to be real that 
I just put in 90 Day Fiance in Google and went in images, and there's one person that looks like Carol Baskins, so that's fun. <laughs> there's also a person who looks like a Santarian from Doctor Who. <laughs> Look up Big Ed. Oh, yeah, I know I know who that is. Yeah, totally a Santarian. He can't, he, he like, has to move his whole body to look. Soltar, Soltar, Soltar. <laughs> Anywho, um, but how is Gerudo linked to the rock, Brandon? Uh, Califada Mitra believes that the linkage of Gerudo to rock is straightforward, is a straightforward adaptation of the myth converted through traditional avenues of trade. Hippolys, a uh, uh, 47 CE, a Greek merchant, was known to have used the monsoon to cross the Indian Ocean, indicating that travel was occurring between the two regions for some time, right? So, like, there's clear existing trade that's happening between uh, the West and the East, right? And, and moreover, some of the story elements of the rock story align with the broad strokes of the Garuda's tale. In the second voyage of Vin- Sinbad, the rock is shown to be the natural enemies of snakes in the Diamond Valley, as is evident... Um, as an a- evident analog to the Naga in Hindu legend. Furthermore, the rock is similarly p- prodigious in size when compared to Garuda, right? Um, there is also an interesting convolution in the story, however, as the rock becomes associated with hunting elephants, right? Um, something yeah. that is not mentioned in the Garuda stories. However, this is probably a translation quirk, Brandon, because in Sanskrit, oh. Naga also means cloud, mountain, or elephant. Oh... Okay. Um, so, of course, the story doesn't even need to be that complicated. It's hard to identify in the skies. So sometimes scale is fuzzy, and sometimes small thing big, big time thing small, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of young earth creationism, because of, like that's just become like the thing I have to do on this podcast, uh, the yeah. rock is typically a footnote, right? Um, in a lot of those stories, like, see, many cultures have uh, similar stories about, you know, fucking giant birds. So, obviously, that means Quetzalcoatlus is still alive. Yeah. That's that's obviously. usually... Usually, that's how the rock is used, right? Like, well, people talk about all these things, so that must mean that, that uh, you know, pterodactyls are real and still here. <laughs> I'm an <laughs> asshole. Who doesn't do fucking basic research and believes everything that's told to me? Fuck you. Um, now to paraphrase the rock, doesn't really matter where the rock came from. It's a fun story. It doesn't matter. Oh uh, yeah, because he he would say it doesn't matter what your name is. Yeah, he would interrupt people, he, and then he would use the people's elbow to deal severe the damage. The people's elbow with the people's eyebrow. You get CTE. You get CTE. You get CTE. I, I mean, I think if my memory is correct, The Rock was a pretty decent technical rec- wrestler. So, like, I don't think he's... Yeah, he's yeah, one yeah of... I don't... I don't recall many, like, things that looked like, like, oh, shit, you know, I don't, it, with what amount of, you know, WWE I did see. Let's see, The Rock was my hero. <laughs> Unironically, The Rock was my favorite character, even though he was, like frequently a heel he was my favorite i liked i liked booker t booker t was one of my favorite dudes for a while you know who i hated though you know who i hated stone cold steve austin and that might be fighting words but you know never liked them i never liked him he was supposed to be like the hero right he was the face yeah the rock was much better i liked the rock much better he was the people's champion 
and I'll I'll die on that hill. <laughs> okay. I will. Orcas are the people's champion. <laughs> well, they've taken the mantle up because The Rock retired, Brandon. So That's someone right. had to now become the people's champion. having uh, In-N-Out for the first time every mm-hmm. week. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the Orcas know that's important work, so they're taking up the mantle of his of his title. That's right. So he can he can eat in and out for the first time multiple times. It's important. <laughs> Very important. Um so yeah, that's that's the episode, in case you can't tell based on us talking about the WWE. Um I I <laughs> I have a funny story <laughs> about the WWE. So Uh oh. I got really into to wrestling, right, in yeah. elementary school. Um, everyone did. We had those action figures, or at least at my elementary school, like everyone had their WWE action figures, and you'd go out on the playground and like play with each other, and then if you didn't like how the other kid was playing, you'd pull out the, because the board, the cardboard backing had like their stat ratings and whatever, so you're like, oh, no, that wouldn't, because it's clearly his strength <laughs> is higher than his strength. <laughs> I'm just gonna be like a, a unrepentant nerd here for a second about wrestling. <laughs> um, I will say this, Brandon. That's that's one of the like the greatest lies ever told. Wrestling fans are the biggest fucking nerds there are. Oh, of course, right? Wrestling fans, football fans, baseball fans—they're just fucking nerds. Like, yeah, nerd nerds. They just like sport. Um, They're nerds. You just like muscle boys instead of creatures. Like <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. That's, That's the only difference. Um, but anywho, so I, I also regarding uh, wrestling toys, I had a Triple H that you would put water in the back, and then oh, you would Triple press a H. button, and it would sweat. Yeah. Did Did you ever have one of those? Like the sweating? Uh... I didn't. I I didn't personally have one of those, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, although I wasn't super happy getting Triple H because Triple H was like kind of an un, uh, like he was, he was like kind of an irredeemable bad guy in my eyes. Yeah. But he had all those torn up shirts that he wore all the time. Oh, you know who else? I like Kane. I liked Kane. Kane was cool. Kane, Kane was dope. Like back when he had the red, the red suit and the mask. Oh, the fucking mask, dude. You know what? Kane is probably why I got into Slipknot so fast. <laughs> that that <laughs> to be checks. Fucking fair. That checks. That like that 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 checks out. Um, I also loved Mankind. Mankind was fucking dope in his fucking Sako. <laughs> um, that fucking dude. What a weirdo. <laughs> Um, anywho, so, uh, I got super into wrestling and there was a wrestling match in Albany. Cause like, you know, yeah. WWE slash WWF, they do a bunch of shows all over the place. And like, there's, yeah. there is raw and like, you know, SmackDown, but like raw SmackDown WCW, it, they also WCW is not WWE. WCW oh, is different. wrestling things. Yeah, but oh, you meant th- components of. Sorry, I, yeah. I, I got WCW is a different track. is a different like yeah. group. Fucking, what are you doing here? What, 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 do you think this is a joke, Brandon? 
Do you think this is a fucking joke? What, you don't like Monday Nitro? God damn it. Um, I think I think WCW is actually, like, better for the wrestlers, though. <laughs> it may be. I forget there's a whole narrative between all... It, which gets... I'm tangled up in my head with just just listen the storyline between the different. You know what? Just listen to the whole. behind the bastard podcast episode that's on Vince McMahon because he does a way better job talking about it. Um, yeah. So, uh, anywho, I went to Albany and my dad didn't tell me that we were going to see a WWEF match because at the time it was yeah. WWF, and um, I cried <laughs> and couldn't bring my. I didn't go in. Because I was scared. <laughs> so that's I would be so pissed. As a parent, I'd be so fucking pissed. I cried and just like couldn't. And, like I drove a fucking hour and I spent I don't know how much tickets were at the time. I'll say sixty bucks a pop. Spent a hundred and twenty dollars to drive a fucking hour and free to cry. <laughs> I cried so hard. It was terrible. I I, I don't yeah, know. Funny. I was just so I got so scared. That's too funny. The funny thing is, I can't cry at all anymore. But man, back in the day, I was a fucking crier. <laughs> Up to high school, I was a crier, and then I just broke. Reality broke me. Uh, Adulthood I've cried broke fucking me. everything. Every episode of any show I watch, I'll cry at least once. Doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I wish I could cry still. I don't know what happened. Well, no, I do know what happened. I cried so much that I just can't cry anymore. You ran out. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you like cry for like a month straight. Yeah. You know, it, it just goes away. You lose it. Um, yeah, you're the, um, the fucking squonk. Pretty much. <laughs> um, anywho, so uh, this has been Cryptopedia. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to check us out at CryptopediaCast.com. Instagram at CryptopediaCast. I don't fucking post anything. I don't know why I'm telling you to go there. Twitter at <laughs> CryptopediaCast. I also don't post anything there. So, like, I mean, I've basically gone silent, more or less, on social media just because I'm tired of dealing with uh, social media. I've I've been actively avoiding social media, Brandon. <laughs> Fair. The I mean, just, you know, I just lurk on Discord. Pretty much. That's that's where I do anything. Um I, I Brandon, what I do nowadays is uh uh read manga, um play a play a, play certain games, work on on either papers or personal projects, and that's it. That's it. That's all you need. Maybe watch some maybe watch some like fucking random ass YouTube videos, but I don't I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I got burnt out by Twitter. I got burnt out by everything. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I just stopped being able to care anymore. There's just too much happening all the time. <laughs> Everything's on fire. Pretty much. Yeah. All um, the time. If you want to email us, cryptopediacast at gmail.com or us at cryptopediacast.com. Um our Patreon, we have one. We have Jackalopes. They pay to keep the lights on. Um, they do. Yeah. They keep the website running and pretty the much, things hosting. Pretty much exclusively. Like that's, they host that, the they, things. They pay for they pay for the hosting bill. So um thank you. Uh and I think this is recent. Yeah, because I I so I had this page open for a very long time. Um yeah. because I had just the picture of the rock on the front of it for like <laughs> the longest time. That was it. Like Yeah. That was all I had was the picture of the rock. <laughs>
for like three years. Brandon. John. John, it says created December 10th, 2020 on the file. Yeah. <laughs> That's how long I've been like putting off working on this. <laughs> created December 10th, 2020. Modify January 21st, 2024. Yep. I have been working on this. Well, what ended up happening was it was like, uh, I got to like read books on mythology. Like, and not yeah. just like mythology, like the story, but like mythology, like the concepts. And then I was like, eh, and I'm going to have to craft like a narrative to talk about this. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm not going to do that. And then I'm I was like, I'm going to do the that. JPEG of the rock for four years. Literally <laughs> four years. I left that JPEG up. That, that JPEG, every time I open the podcast folder to like write something or read something, I have been looked at by the rock for four years. <laughs> That's not a joke. Oh God. That is very, very serious and very, very real. And I don't know what I'm going to do now that I don't have the rock looking at me every time I open something. <laughs> I'm going to feel hollow. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a hollow shell of myself. <laughs> um oh gosh. So oh. our our jackalopes are Will Smith, Bushcraft Kelso, Lemwood S Sharp. Bird Schneider, Marty Von Party, and of course, Clay Sinclair. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We had a we have a surprisingly low rating on Spotify. It's like 3.9. I think I pissed someone off really bad. I think it was me who did it. Cause like I made some posts on Twitter a while back, and I think some people got mad because I was talking about COVID and acknowledging the fact that it still exists. Um <laughs> And, like, I was talking about the fact that, like, you know, uh, I, I was talking about the fact that, like, it was funny that people were worrying about a new disease when COVID is just, like, still there. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, cool. Like, it's cool that you're worrying about that. But, like, you know, it seems kind of weird when there's still this, that we're worried about that. But whatever. I don't care. I'm done. I don't leave my home. I went to see a movie for the first time in four years uh, recently. And like, yeah. I've only seen one movie in theaters in four years. And I used to see movies like multiple times a month. Yeah. My neighbor fucking uh, was like, Hey, so what's your uh, garbage service? And I was like, Oh, it's this. They're great. Why? And they're like, everyone at their, the company they use has had COVID for the last month. So there's been no garbage pickups for anyone that has that service for over a month. Because the whole of the company's fucking got it for that long. Jesus. <sighs> we, live in a, we live in a dystopia. <laughs> we do. Oh, gosh. You can find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands. My website is boyerbee.com. My email is brandon at cryptopediacast.com. And my ex is at cryptobrandon. I refuse to call it X. There is. I'm just Elon Musk can suck decline. my dick. He's toothy. Yeah, I know. His tongue is like a cat's tongue. Ugh. It probably is. It probably is. Um, on <laughs> Instagram, I'm mu2057. Twitter, because I'm not using that that fucking name. JF Dunham. Uh, website's johndunhamgames.com, and my email is john at cryptopediacast.com. 
Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is greatergloryco.com and thomasmichaelhill.com. And his email is tommikehill at gmail.com. Yeah. As always, I'm John. I'm Brandon. And things are going to get weird. <laughs> <laughs>